Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Well, today... I'm going to continue our series called Faith Lives Here, and the title of my message today is Faith in the Dark. Turn to the person next to you and say, Faith in the Dark. We're talking about faith when things are unclear, uncertain, mysterious, even bizarre. And this message is for people who maybe today you're in a tough place, or maybe you could even say, hey, I'm, I'm not just in a tough place, I'm, where I am is a little dark. Things aren't going well for me. Maybe it's for someone who's questioning why bad things happen to good people. And maybe some of you are doing your absolute best to follow God, but things aren't working out the way that you thought they would. And others of you are saying, hey, I've done this. Why isn't God fulfilling his promise? Why isn't he showing up in answering my prayer? And this message for you is for you, and it's called Faith in the Dark. This series is about us as a church, as individuals and collectively, learning to live a life of faith. The title of the message, the title of the series is Faith Lives Here. And God hasn't just called us to take a little step of faith. He hasn't called us to visit the faith realm when we have a prayer need or a prayer request, but he's actually called us to to make our step of faith, a walk of faith, and our walk of faith, a life of faith, so that every moment of every day is inhabiting the faith realm. And so today I'm going to share a couple of personal stories about my journey of faith, particularly relating to this church. This has been the biggest thing that I've personally has required the most faith in my life. But more importantly from that, I want to share a story and an episode from Abraham's story in the Bible. I don't know what you know about Abraham. I'll tell you a little bit. But Abraham is one of the greatest examples of faith in the Bible. And a couple of things that you should know about Abraham. The first is that God gave him some big time promises. These were like, look up into the sky at night. You'll see these stars. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. That's a pretty big promise, right? But what was the reality? If you know the story, he couldn't have any kids. Not only was that so far away that He couldn't even just have one star. He was unable to have children. So he had this big time promise from God. The other thing that you know is that he had a habit of stepping out in faith. So God would say, go here, and he would go. God would say, go there, and he would go. This is Abraham. He had a habit of stepping out in faith, but also he was a little bit patchy. Not just once, but twice when he arrived somewhere and there was a a king or a ruler, he said about his wife, oh, she's not my wife, she's my sister. 
And here you go. Not just once, but twice. So overall, a habit of faith, but a little bit patchy. Who's had some patchy faith episodes? Yeah, I see some kids up at the back. (laughs) Being my kids and I know their story. Yes, your faith is patchy at times, kids. (laughs) And sometimes he tried to do God's work in his way. Who's ever done that? We've, God's given us something that he's called us to do and then we're like, okay, God, I got it from here. And so he, in this case, he had a baby with one of his servants and that child is Ishmael. And that was a child not of the promise. And Ishmael is regarded as the father of the Muslim nation. And so he's really, he's, he's had this habit of going of stepping out in faith, but he's been patchy at times. The last thing that you need to know is that he miraculously had a son called Isaac. And so we're going to pick up a story from Genesis 22, and this is when Isaac is a little bit grown up. And I would say this is a dark episode. Parts of it are unclear, parts of it are uncomfortable, parts of it are mysterious and even bizarre. Maybe you've heard this story before, or maybe this is the first time. Genesis 22 and verse 1, I'll be reading from the NIV. Feel free to listen along or read in your Bible or the device if you have the Bible. Genesis 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and Abraham replied, here I am. Then God said, take your son your only son, who you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Okay, this is, this is weird, right? This is bizarre. What you'll notice as I'm reading, there's not a lot of motion in the retelling of this story. This, it's very factual. There's not a lot of detail, but it just says early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, very kind Description of what was happening, worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Isn't this weird? You've got to admit, this is a, this is a very unusual story. And you, you're asking some questions 
why would God ask Abraham to do that? And why did Abraham follow through? What was going on here? And I want to talk from this passage about three things that we find out about faith in the dark in this passage. And the first thing is this. Faith in the dark tests that tests what you have to find out if it's really faith. Let me say that again. Faith in the dark tests what you have to find out if it's really faith. So if you can see your way, if you can understand your way, if you've got it all worked out, my question to you is, is that faith? And by biblical definition, it's not. So we have got something or a sense of something, but if what we have is what we can see with our eyes, what we can understand with our minds, what we can comprehend, my question is, is that faith? And God has called all of us to live by faith. The foundation of Christianity is a belief in God. That's not just a mental concept, but a trust, a belief that will get you moving because we can't see God. Faith is central. But we've got to ask ourselves, what we have is that faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Another version says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for and is the evidence of things we cannot see. So if we can see it, if we can see our way, are we living in faith? Are we walking in faith? And how do we know? How do we know what we've got? Well, it gets tested. And God tests our faith. It says God tested Abraham's faith. And so we're here. We've got what we believe is faith. And then the lights go off. And that's the moment that we actually get to see and understand and test what we have. Now, I believe that everybody does have faith, but you will understand the quality of your faith, the depth of your faith, the strength of your faith, only in the dark. Faith is nocturnal. Okay, it, it inhabits the dark. So how do I know what I have is faith? I've got to turn the lights off. How do I know the condition of my faith? I've got to test it. And here's a statement that we hear a lot, particularly with COVID. We won't know until we send it away for testing. <laughs> we won't know until we get the test results back. Does this change your perspective on faith? Because when the lights go on, we can have this different attitude that says, great, now I get to see what I've got and I get to walk in faith. This is the moment that I'm walking in faith. When things are going well, 
When things are going my way, I mean, good, that's what I want. But that's not my best opportunity to walk in faith. That's not the best way for me to stay connected to God. See how powerful this is? We make claims, but then our claims are tested. I don't know, any of you work in an environment where you have to test something? You have to prove it. Maybe in your, we've got an electrician here, we've got to test it, we've got to see if it works. You finish a job, you're like, yeah, beauty, it works. How do you know? You test it. And then what happens if something's not right? You fix it. I could say, hey, I'm the fastest runner in the world. And you could say, prove it. And that would be reasonable. I am not the fastest runner in the world, unfortunately. Not all of our dreams turn out the way that we like them. So we would prove it. God will test your faith. He'll give you a word and he'll test it. I remember it was probably like maybe 13, 14 years ago. I remember distinctly in my room, I prayed this prayer. I said, God, I don't want to have to worry about finances and money because I believe for what you're calling me into, I will have other things to worry about. And God was like, yes. And I was like, yes. At that time, I had a lot of money. And like two years ago when we started this church and just took a step out in faith, no financial support. We had, my wife works like part-time, so we had equivalent of like two and a half days income per week. Felt that it was right to step out in faith. That word was still true, but it was tested. That, that word was the same, but I felt different about it with less money than more. You know what I'm saying? God takes the word and he tests it. He turns the light off. I bet some of you are going, wow, God's been doing that with me. God's been giving me these brilliant opportunities in the dark to test the quality of my faith. Here are some things that we find out in the dark, some questions. I've got a whole bunch. I'm just going to rattle them off. Maybe one of them sticks with you. Am I putting my trust in him or the things I can see? Is God under my control or do I trust him to be in control? Does God exist for my personal satisfaction or do I exist to serve him? Is God a mystery of goodness or a formula for my best life? Am I using God or am I letting him use me? Am I willing to go forward based on my knowledge of God and not my circumstances? Here's a great definition of faith from Eugene Peterson. Some of you may have heard his name before. He says this, faith is a passion. Faith is an obedient life. Faith is a deliberate engagement of the will. Faith is a fusion of body and spirit, visible and invisible fused, taking us somewhere. So it's this idea that there's this combination of what I can see and what I can't see, the natural and the supernatural, and that's what it means to be in faith. So that's the first one. Faith in the dark tests what you have to find out if it's really faith. 
The second one is this. Faith in the dark will challenge you to give up what's most valuable in order to get what's most valuable. And I'm going to explain what I mean. Verse number two, it says, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, who you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Okay, so really weird. We've got some young kids here. No doubt that there's, with every story, every child, every baby is a miracle. It means something. So I think probably around about, if we were to think of a a young man around about the age, I'd probably say young Ollie, a miracle, a blessing to his family. And so we would say, okay, let's take Ollie. Ollie, we're going on a trip. Pack your stuff, Ollie. Mum's taking you on a trip today. You see, this is like once we actually personalise, this is, this is a heavy story. Okay, this is weird. One thing to note, child sacrifice was not uncommon in that time. So it's not totally out of the realm. But it is a gruesome picture. It's offensive because Isaac is actually... God's provision of his promise. That's another reason why it's offensive. And the third thing is Abraham really loves him. And faith will ask you to sacrifice what is good from God in order to receive the good God himself. And this is something that people don't often understand, is that faith will actually require you to sacrifice good things. Now, I'm going to, just for those who've never heard this story, this story doesn't end in human sacrifice, so we're ticking that off the list. We're not talking about the killing of people. But here's what we are. Sometimes we can seek his provision and not his presence. Is God enough? If God didn't give me things, would he still be enough? Would I still seek him? Would I still search for him? And here's three things about sacrificial living. Sacrificial living is emptying our hands at God's command to take hold of the life that he has for us. We need to empty our hands. Sacrificial living frees us, I love this one, of versions of God's promise that we have altered for our own convenience. We, we sometimes just take the good things of God and we modify it slightly and we custom make it. And God's like, no, I've, I've already custom made it. I don't need you to, to tweak it. Final thing, the thing that I love, sacrificial living keeps our lives simple. It's cleaning and clearing. It's leaving things behind. It's preparing us for our future. It's curing us from hoarding. We can even hoard the good. We can even hoard the things that are past, good things that are past their use-by date. And it frees us from burdens. Sometimes we're weighed down even by good things because we haven't released them back to God. 
And many people can't accept that God wants them to sacrifice anything good because they think it means less joy, less fulfillment, less satisfaction, but the opposite is actually true. A sacrificial life is a light life, is a simple life, is a free life, but it's not always immediate or always obvious. The journey to start this church started in Rebecca and I's hearts maybe like 13 years ago, maybe maybe more in very embryonic form. And probably about 11 and a half, 12 years ago, we started to step out in faith. And all the doors shut in our face. It was very, very disappointing and discouraging. And I got to a point where I just felt my heart was broken and other times I just I lost my joy and I started to think that it was my fault you know, that there's like deep spiritual flaws within yourself. Who's ever been in a zone like that? Oh, this is not working because I am vastly spiritually inadequate. Like whatever you need to have the type of faith, the type of peace, the type of uh, prayer, whatever you need, I'm the opposite of that. And that's why it's not working. And so I got to a point where I was like, God, like, This is not a selfish dream. This is a good dream. And I'm willing to lay down my life and Rebecca and I. We're willing to forsake everything. But God said, look, if you push this any further, you're going to create a child that's not of the promise. You're going to create an Ishmael. You're going to do my thing in your way, which is really bad. And so I got to a point where I had to surrender the dream. And that might sound a little bit puzzling, but I had to bring, I had to sacrifice the dream, even the good thing, even the good idea, and I had to present it to God and say, hey, God, I'm not doing this for me, but I give this back to you. And I let it go. And when we did the direction, and it was like, I don't know if this dream will ever be a reality again. So faith will ask you to sacrifice what is good. Might even ask you to sacrifice what has come from God in order to receive God himself. The third one is this. And the last one, it says, faith in the dark opens us up to endless possibilities of provision. You get to a point where you can't see how God is going to do it, but you trust him to do it anyway. And Abraham says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And most often, and this is why we need faith, with our limited thinking, we lock ourselves down to a couple of different solutions about how something could work. Who's been there? Like, if I'm going to be a success in life, here's what i got to do. Word that's popular. i got to hustle. All right? 
So I got to just crush life. I've got to be on 24-7. I've got to have my, my work there and then I've got to, some hustle side projects. And I've just got to have a relentless obsession with self-improvement and building my wealth. Who's heard this kind of mindset, been part of this mindset? And sometimes we can say, well, the only way that I'm going to get to point B from point A is this way. Or maybe I could think two ways. Like maybe I could win lotto. I could hustle or I could win lotto or maybe like a relative that I don't know passes away and leaves me a giant inheritance. But I've locked it down to three ways. I think I'm thinking very broadly. And we get to God and God's like, I've got like a million ways. And then I've got like a million times a million ways. And then I've got a million times a million times a million ways. And he says, will you allow me to be the one who provides, who makes a way where there isn't a way? And we can only find this in the dark. We can't see a way forward. Lots of you are in situations where you cannot see how things are going to work. You cannot see. You've got relationships. I cannot see how this relationship is going to work out. You've got a business idea. I cannot see how this business idea is going to work out. You've got challenges with parenting. I cannot see how this is going to work out. All kinds of different things. And God says, why don't you open yourself up to the supernatural? Why don't you open yourself up to the possibilities of my provision? Why don't you let me do the God thing? Like, I'm pretty good at it. And so what happens here and what we understood and, and what makes this story make sense is that Abraham even believed that he could kill Isaac and that God could raise him from the dead. This is the level of faith. He believed in the resurrection. This is what it says in Hebrews, a commentary in the New Testament, uh, commentating on this uh, passage. It's a book of the Bible, and it's talking about this passage. Hebrews eleven seventeen says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise from the dead. So Abraham's faith was so huge in that moment and his trust for God was so big that he's like, even if God's called me to kill him and sacrifice him a burnt offering, crazy, weird, but even if I do that, that's not the end of the story. I wonder today, what is God calling you to sacrifice? God's turned the lights off in an area of your life. What does he want you to put him first in? What area? We talk about this a lot, the rooms of our house. What door in the rooms of our house is he wanting to open up? And do you trust that he's got more than one solution, more than two solutions? more than the way that you've got in your mind, that he could actually flood, his, uh, flood that situation with his power and his life-giving presence, 
that he could actually take what is dead and he could raise it to life? Do we believe that? Is this the type of faith that we have? A faith that works in the dark. So that when the lights go off, when things get dark, when things get grim, when things get mysterious, even things bizarre, that we start to shine with resurrection life. And this is the opportunity of faith in in the dark, is that we learn, we pattern, we have experience. When God says go, we go. When God says stay, we stay. When God says leave this behind, we leave it behind. And as we do, we start to release resurrection life. We become nocturnal. We become faith people who inhabit a life of faith, who live a life of faith so we're comfortable in the uncertain. Our words don't talk. We don't complain. We don't moan. We don't criticize. But not in a fake way. We just begin to speak and say, hey, God's got this. I can't see how God's going to do it right now, but I've got a clear sense of what he is calling me to and where he is calling me to. We're going to pray together. We're almost done. Supernatural possibilities that can only be God. This is what God wants to open up to us. Verse 11, let me finish this story, not to leave you hanging. It says, But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied, second time. First, here I am, here I am, I want you to go. Second time, here I am, here I am. And he said, Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Really quick, we're doing a series on hearing the voice of God soon. We need to have the latest word. What if Abraham, after hearing this word, said, No, I got a promise from God that I'm going to kill this kid. He was up to date with the latest word from God. My question to you in your circumstance, are you up to date? Do you have the latest word from God? We've got words from God. I've got prophetic words. I've got things that are spoken. But we've got to have the latest. We've got to update our operating system. We can't just hitting, keep hitting snooze on system updates. We can't just keep hitting try later, try tomorrow, try in an hour. But God says, I want to speak to you. I want to update you with the latest information. Do you have the latest word from God? If you don't know how to do that, we're going to teach you how to hear the voice of God. I believe that it is the evidence of the Holy Spirit within us. The prophetic, personal word of God spoken to us. And he says, Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called to that place, called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, 
it will be provided. Why don't you stand to your feet? We'll be done in about three minutes. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. I wonder, what is God speaking to you about? Where is an area of your life that the lights are out, that things have gone dark, things are mysterious, even bizarre? And how does God want you to bring resurrection life? How does God want you to believe, want you to trust? What is God wanting you to let go? And what is God wanting you to take up? And do you know that? We want to help you find that. We're here as a community to help you do that. And so why don't you just take a moment, just take 30 seconds and just do business with God. What does that mean? It just means you just tell God where you're at. Say, God, this is an area in my life that I'm struggling with. This is an area that I don't see a way. This is an area that is dark, unclear. This is an area that troubles me or disturbs me. I'm troubled by what you've called me to do. I don't understand what you called me to do. I don't understand my situations. So just talk to the Lord. Talk to Him about He's okay to meet you where you're at. God, we, we trust that you can speak to us in the dark. We know that you use circumstances to get us moving, to leave things behind. And God, we thank you for what you're doing in the name of Jesus, come on, you pray a prayer. Pray a prayer. Say, God, just help me. Meet me where I'm at. That's all. Just invite him in. That's all. God, meet people, speak to people by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Here's what I want to say the only way that you can be an original is if you live a life of faith. If you're not listening to the voice of God, you will just be subject to the loudest voice in your life, in your culture, in the media, in society. But the voice of God will lead you to the perfect place, to the place of provision, to the place of promise. But most importantly, to the place that God is, to meet with God. The final thing that I want to say is... Christianity is unique and beautiful in a way that our God, Jesus, is a God who knows suffering. He's a suffering God. Matthew chapter 27, Jesus on the cross cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A place of darkness, a place of separation. And so I want to encourage you, if there's anyone you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, Jesus is real. He conquered death. He is resurrection life. He knows what it is to suffer and to sacrifice and He's here in our midst. And you can take a step forward.
and say, Jesus, I want to follow you with everything that's in me. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.